What's happening, ATL? Welcome to Locked On Sports ATL Hangout. We are so excited to get together, guys. You know, we do this every couple of weeks just to kind of give you all the tea from our entire Atlanta Sports Network. So I am here, of course, Tanisha Batiste with my guy, John Chuckery, my guy, Jarvis Davis, and of course, Mark Zeno tapped out on us today, but he'll be back at the next hangout. So <laughs> definitely looking forward to that. But man, do we have a lot to get into. It's a cray cray Friday here in Atlanta on our sports landscape, starting with the Braves. Now, of course, we know technically they are not in Atlanta, but it's still on our sports landscape, right? And this is a pivotal game three, maybe most importantly because the Braves haven't announced the starter for the Phillies. We know that Aaron Nola is going to go for the Phillies, right? But we don't quite know who Brian Snicker is going to choose. So, guys, I'm thinking about this in the last few days when he's kind of said, I've got options. Maybe I'll choose you. When he was speaking to media, I'm thinking, whoa, Snit. And going back to him putting A.J. Minter on the mound, looking like he was going to warm up, and then he pulls him and he puts Rasiel Iglesias in. My point being, Snit's playing a little chestnut checkers, it appears. It appears, it seems like. What do you guys think? You have to have Strider tonight. I mean, I think that's, I think that's the thing. Is Strider tonight has to go. Look, the Braves didn't face an elimination game in last year's playoff run. You don't set yourself up. Morton in five starts against the Philadelphia Phillies was 0-1 with a 547 ERA. Strider, of course, we know, 4-0 with a 1-2-7 ERA. Even if you're talking about four innings or whatever, you kind of monitor and watch him, that's still better than running the risk of Morton gets in that ballpark, can't keep it in the ballpark. Mm -hmm. You know that Philadelphia wants to take that game. Look, this is always the swing game in a five-game series, right? It's game three. You know, Braves win tonight. You can eliminate the Philadelphia Phillies. So you don't go in there with the idea of we're trying to get to a game four and five and all that kind of – you go into it with we have to win tonight. Tonight is must win. We'll worry about tomorrow when tomorrow comes. And I think mm -hmm. I, I wholeheartedly agree, Chuck, when you think about – you know what Charlie Morton has done. Like we, we, I know Tanisha and I on ATL Day Ones. We always talk about like, all right, let's see what Charlie, Uncle Charlie, we get tonight. You know, is it gonna be Uncle Charlie or or is it gonna be Charlie Morton, the guy who looks like he's breaking down? You know, because at the towards the end of the season, like I think it was last seven starts, he had an ERA of five six five. Like that's not good. You know, you don't career high in home runs given up too. That's the other thing about Morton is that it's been his most home runs that he's given up in a season. So that's in that ballpark. Citizens Bank, where it flies out, mm -hmm. that's what scares you. Yeah, no doubt about yeah. it. And then it's the first playoff game since 2011, too. So that crowd is going to be ready to roll. So you need somebody like a Spencer Strider to come in and just say, "Hey, it, not today." And then y'all gonna have to figure out when the next game because I got this one. Yeah, and I love what you said, John. Just to start off with. Spencer Strider, if you get two to three, three to four innings out of Spencer Strider, right, that's probably still going to give you more than you would get arguably in three, four, five innings from Charlie Morton, especially when you look at the success rate that Spencer Strider has had against the Phillies just the short season he's had. So I like where you're going with that. Don't take a chance. Don't wait until, hey, maybe we'll do it in game four. No. Put foots on next, as our guy Michael said, keep it moving. But I'll flip it for you guys and ask you, Let's play the advocate. What if, what if Snit shocks us and he decides to go Charlie Morton, which I still feel like that's a possibility. Do you guys trust that maybe just maybe we're going to see postseason Charlie Morton? Or are you convinced, my God, if he goes and he starts tonight, we're going to end up seeing shaky on the road, Uncle Charlie? 
Well, you still have to believe in the back of the baseball card, right? As, as Snitker yeah. and those guys like to talk yeah. about, you still mm -hmm. have to believe in that. So again, it's not like we're, we're not like we're talking about putting Bruce Chen out there in a start like this, right? I mean, it's That's a good it's still Charlie Morton. It's still his resume, right? Still the right. back of the baseball card. You know, one thing Morton still does, he strikes out a ton That's of guys. Yep. So he's got mm -hmm. that swing and miss stuff going. So, I mean, mm -hmm. yes, he's had trouble keeping the ballpark, but he's got the swing and miss stuff going. I, it's not that I feel bad. It's just that I don't think you monkey around. Like, again, yep. if Strider's on your roster, they know mm -hmm. he can pitch. They didn't put him on the roster wondering whether or not he could pitch like you don't you wouldn't have taken up a roster spot for him you'd have aired on the side of like what they did with ozzy right you just err on mm -hmm. the side of we know he can't go so there's no reason to put him on the roster so he's right. on the roster he's not on there to be a bullpen guy he's on mm -hmm. there because they feel like he can make some sort of start for them how long that's a different discussion but i don't yeah. feel bad about morton you know you just have to trust that the back of the baseball card is true and, and also trust that the fact that, you know, if he does, if he does get the start and he struggles, you'll, you'll hope that and pray that Brian Snickers has that quick hook. Because at the end of the day, you have a bullpen that showed you that, hey, even your your, your night shift 2.0 guys and your guys that you don't, you wouldn't necessarily put in high leverage situations and did lead. And those guys look really they show really well in, in game one to hold to hold on to um, the uh, Phillies to the seven runs. So I think that. I'm not too I'm not too concerned because I know that they have guys that arms that can that, that are, are valuable and they can use. But like you said, at the end of the day, if like like Chuck said, if Strider's on the roster and they feel comfortable, you know, and they feel like he's a hundred percent or ninety-five percent, go ahead and put the man in the starting role. Going back to that, if he is less than a hundred percent. And let's say, again, devil's advocate that Snit decides to go with Charlie Morton tonight. And I'm looking at it from a three game, game three perspective, but also a game four perspective. What are your thoughts on the possibility that Charlie is not very good if he's not effective in those first couple of innings, but then you start going style? Do you see maybe Snit possibly going with Charlie Morton to start game three and then kind of looking to see if maybe he wants to go with Strider or the bullpen? No, because I don't think you want to. I don't think you want to burn Strider in that wall. You you want him to be available for a start. If it's not game three, then it's game four. So you want him available for a start in this series because I think it's Max Fried will pitch game five no matter what. Look, your bullpen's had a day off. They had a travel day yesterday. Your bullpen is rested. God forbid the you know goes to game five. You'll have another off day. I mean, so your bullpen is fine. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean. Look, even if Morton gets banged around, look, remember, game one, they only got three and a third innings out of Max Freed, okay? Right. So your bullpen came in and, and, you know, did the job coming in. McHugh and those guys, they can handle that role. I'm not so much worried about that, but yeah. Strider's either your starter or he's not. He's either healthy to start or he's not pitching at all. I don't think there's a bullpen role for him. I would have set a bullpen role maybe a few months ago, but now he is mm -hmm. one of your locked-on starters. Yeah, locked on stars. I like that pun right question. there. Like that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. <laughs> Can the Braves get – you guys were talking about that the fact that the Braves were able to, of course, uh, the bullpen held the Phillies in check really both games, right, because they scored right. nothing. It was a shutout in game two, not only thanks mm -hmm. to Kyle Wright, but with the night shift 2.0, as I call him, was able to do. So when we look at the fact that we're going against Aaron Ola, Zach Wheeler, it, it was an interest duel up to that fifth inning in game two now it's Aaron Nola do you think that the Braves can get 
to NOLA a bit better and maybe a bit earlier than Wheeler. And also we saw a different kind of game from the Braves in game two because it was really about hits and getting on base and making sure that you get those runners in scoring position, scoring by any means necessary. Are we going to see a little bit of a different kind of game or a different strategy as it relates to Aaron Nola? Um, no, I, I I figure I feel like the Braves are equipped to to play any way they want, any style they want to, whatever however they see fit. Because I think that when you you look at the way they 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 won last game, right? They were getting guys on base and they were you know knocking guys in and, and getting hitting getting one RBI. You know they won those three run home runs or two home run bombs. And you know the Braves have have an excellent record when it comes to hitting home runs. So for them to win like they did, I'm not too concerned about it. So. I think the one, the main thing though is is my is what the mantra that I said coming into this series: get to the bullpen. However you do it, if you can knock Aaron Nola out in the first two innings, do it. And if it, and if it takes five or six, go ahead and do it because I think that you're gonna have to trust your starting pitch and whoever's on the mound. And then once they get to the bullpen, I like I like the Braves bullpen versus the Philly bullpen all day. I'll take the Braves pen any day, any day, any day. And listen, you know, we're talking about the excitement of what's going on in Philly tonight, but we got a lot of excitement right here locally. We've got, of course, a, we'll call it a big game, in Athens. It's Georgia Vanderbilt, or a tune-up game, if you will. But that one down at Benz on Sunday, now that is a big game. And think about another game where themselves as an underdog, an underdog at home right now, the line is five and a half, but that also, let me tell you about the Falcons. If you're looking to bet, they're also 5-0 and against the spread. So if you want to kind of watch that trend and see how much of an underdog they are or are not, and if you want to see potentially what the thought is on them being 6-0 and against the spread, then you need to take a look at betonline.net because that is really your number one source for all your betting needs and your sports info. You're going to find sports developments on your major leagues like NBA, like NFL, like MLB, but also there are some niche sports out there. We take a look at golf, MMA, boxing, they have everything. And for us, I know we kind of like to watch the trends as well because it's just good information that they have online. So listen, doesn't matter if you are a novice or a pro, an expert at betting, they've still got something there for you. And they like Locked On Sports Network. They have great pods as well with some great information. So once again, take a look at betonline.net because again, is where the game starts and you guys know come 1 p.m sunday after the game starts for the falcons are taking on the 49ers maybe their most challenging game so far of the season right so for me i'm looking at this there's an interesting con comment comment if you will that kyle pitts made earlier and we're going to talk a lot about kyle pitts because hey we're happy that kp is back and potentially going to play in that game as of this morning he pretty much made it emphatically clear, I am a go on Sunday. So one of the things he talked about was the fact that they know the 49ers are physical squad and the Falcons know they're going to have to match that energy, that physicality. So I wanted to ask you guys, when you think about the Falcons and what you've seen so far in these first five weeks, that was what the Falcons have shown, the identity they've established, they yeah, I mean, I think that they've shown that they're going to play their style of football. Look, offensive line has taken a big leap this year. They're and, and it's not just their their rushing yardage; it's their rushing attempts that they're a top three, four team in running the football. As far as how committed they are, they're now I think they're second to last in the NFL in passing attempts. 
they have their identity. We're going to control the line of scrimmage. We're going to win in the running game. And we're going to play good defense. And we know our defense, you know, if we need a late game sack or late game turnover, we feel like we can lean on those guys. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not going to be easy. And I talked about this yesterday. Mm -hmm. But you look at who is or who is not going to be in for the 49ers. Bosa may not be in there. Armstead, I don't think, is going to play. You know, uh, there's uh, Arm. You know, I mean, there are several guys that most of their defensive line right now is dealing with injuries. If they're if those guys are not there, then you have to take advantage of that. I mean, that's a them problem. If they don't play, you have to take advantage of that. But Falcons, I I will say the Falcons need to do a better job of getting back to what's made them successful. I thought they got away from that last week. I thought they threw it too much early in that game, too much on first down. Get back to doing what you do well. You don't want the ball in Mariota's hands. And this is my hate. This is my hate minute for Mariota. You don't want the ball in his hands throwing it around. Like, good thing. I mean, with all due respect, we talk about Pitts, but it's still one touchdown in 22 games for Kyle Pitts. I mean, we talk about it's great to have Pitts back, but he ain't there to be a blocker. He ain't there to, to be a decoy. You know, you draft him number yeah. four, be, you know, yeah. get down the field and go get in the end zone. So, Again, but that's not what the winning formula for the Falcons is right now. And I, 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 and I, to add to that, I think one of the things that that has really been like cool to watch is is the is the fact that you know Chuck brought up an interesting stat. You know, talking about how the passes have decreased as the game as the games have gone along. Now that we're going into mm-hmm. the sixth game of the season, you you look at it and it's like a, a very cool trend. And and I think. Arthur Smith understands uh, Marcus Mariota's limitations, right? And, but he's not going to say that outwardly because nobody wants to throw – nobody likes a coach that throws his quarterback under the bus because yeah. this is the second time around. Arthur Smith brought him in for a reason, and Marcus Mariota even talked this week about how comfortable, even more comfortable he is with his relationship with Arthur Smith about letting him know the things that he's comfortable with and the things that he's not comfortable with. So – I think that you have a veteran guy who understands his limitations. Of course, he's not going to admit that, and and his coach isn't going to admit that. You just hope that they can come together and come up with a solid game plan to be able to execute. And we know, all of us know, (laughs) that that involves running the football consistently. And I think that the big factor for this game is Marcus Mariota has to at least get 50-plus, to 50 to 60 yards rushing. And I'm thinking not call runs. I'm talking about – Hey, if it's not there, that first read isn't there, take your butt off and go and take advantage of that because he has the ability to escape, you know, uh, pressure. And I think that he needs to um, use that as much as he possibly can. Of course, you don't want him to be in much that much facing that much pressure. But if if you do get it, you need to use those legs because that's going to help keep moving the chains for the Falcons offense. Yeah, and he can move his legs, and that will be great. I feel, feel like he is sort of an X factor, to your point, whether or not he contributes to the run game the way he did last week with about 60-plus yards, 61 yep. yards on the ground, which was great. But ultimately speaking, at some point, you do still have to throw the ball. That's what you're right. supposed to do when you are under center. And one of the things that has been interesting to me is fans, media, everyone has been kind of speculating on, okay, you have Kyle Pitts, you have Drake London. Drake London is getting a good number of targets, but not so much Kyle Pitts. That's still a problem with KP. And one of the, it's an interesting article, not anything that we have about, by the way, on our shows, but particularly one of the guys at USA Today, Dean Ward, kind of talked about this whole concept of an off-target pass rate, right? And so in the NFL, Kyle Pitts is number one in an off-target pass rate, and Drake no. London 
number five. So two of the top five off-target pass rates in this entire league, two of the guys are on one team, and that is the Falcons. And the fact that nearly a third of those passes that are intended for KP, they're not getting to him, that's underwhelming production. All his fault. So I go back to the question. Well, it's actually a three-parter, so hear me out on this one. It starts with Arthur Smith. Is this about Arthur's ability to scheme and get pits open? Is this about Marcus Mariota and not being able to just do what he's supposed to do when Kyle Pitts is open? Because maybe that's not the kind of personnel that you need for a KP to make him most effective. If all of that, all things being said, how are they then going to address this for Sunday? It's all three, though. I mean, with all due respect, Mm. I mean, it's. Mariota in his inability to to read defenses and make the throws that he needs to. It is Arthur Smith in finding, getting him open. And it's on Kyle Pitts too. Kyle Pitts is still the player. He has to fight to get open. You can't tell me he's a unicorn if he can't fight to get open. So uh, it's all of them. I mean, it's again, I'm not looking to assign blame to one particular person. Everybody has to be better. What's not acceptable to me is, it's one touchdown in 22 games. Like, that number's not acceptable. I mean, at some point, if that's what it's going to be, then we should have drafted mm-hmm. Panay Sewell or Michael Parsons. Because, again, I don't need Either a decoy one. at number four. <laughs> I, I need guys that transform my franchise, that, that take me from I'm down here to up here. Well, Micah Parsons does that. Mm-hmm. You know, Panay Sewell transformed your franchise. I need those kinds of guys. So, you know, this is not on – Pitts, it's not on Arthur, it's on Mariota, it's on all of them. They all have to be better in figuring out a way. Pitts is not unique in this league. All the top guys get double covered. You know, all the top guys deal with all the same challenges. This is nothing new for an NFL player to be double teamed or taken out or schemed against. You have to figure out a way. That's where you're either Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, Arthur Smith, and Mariota are better than those guys. Or they're not better. I mean, that's what it'll come down to. Either they know how to figure it out, or they don't. And and to and as a as a play caller and as a tight end in the NFL, I think that you know just going back and kind of looking at certain things because that's one thing I've been kind of trying to figure out. Like, okay, whose fault it is? Like, yeah, definitely, I've seen that Mariota's fault. Mariota's faults, excuse me. But I've seen Kyle Pitts' faults as well because there was one particular time he was running around, running down the seam. He literally, it was a wide open. It was play action, of course, because that's just how the Falcons offense works. And all Kyle Pitts had to do was kind of like slow it down a little bit. And but he it ran right into the, the safety and ran himself right into coverage. So and and then of course Marcus Mariota overthrew him as well. So he didn't give a chance to catch the football. So I think that that was that was a particular example of yeah, Marcus, it was Marcus Mariota's fault for overthrowing him. True. But Kyle Pitts could have made an easier throw for Marcus Mariota by kind of slow, uh, winding it down some and, and, and breaking that route off and go ahead and sit down and, and, and show his numbers to Marcus Mariota so he can make an easy, easy completion. So I think – and I think Arthur Smith has done you know, probably as much as he possibly can from a scheme standpoint to, hey, like, okay, here's what, here's what you're looking at. Here's your reads on this particular play. You just got – Marcus Mariota just has to go out and do it, and Kyle Pitts has to be a little bit more crisper in running his routes and understanding and reading and recognizing the coverages as he's running his route. 
Yeah, because that is, as you mentioned, John, a perfect way to say it. That's what you're looking for in a unicorn. That's what you're looking for in your number four pick to be yeah. able to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, figure it out. Make those catches that oh, that make us say, wow, like nobody else could do that but a unicorn. Nobody else could do that but a number four pick because that's what the expectation is, to your point, when we're looking at some of those other players that we said, oh, wow, there, there goes an O-lineman. Oh, wow, that go, there goes a defensive uh, specialist, if you will, and we have a tight end, which is great. I love KP, no problem there. But at some point in time, you're going to need him, like you said, to, guys said, to be a game changer and a playmaker. And I would venture to say that when you look at some of the the great wide receivers and the great tight ends, even when they've had game managers or mediocre quarterbacks, they can hide all of that. They, they, they can hide all of that. They can get you not just moving the chains, but they can get you down the field. And when you get in that low red zone, they can find a way to make something happen. Now, speaking of, we've talked a lot about the offensive side and kind of keys to the game and what can help the Falcons get off to a fast start offensively. But like you guys have said, this defense has been doing some great things. We've seen a lot of good stuff out of the defense. And, John, I want to go back to something you said earlier, how at the end of games, we're looking at the Falcons like, hey, they can get, they can be in it. We saw that Grady, regardless of you know what the play call or, or the final the penalty was, we saw what we wanted to see out of what happened with Grady and would have been three games in a row, right, where we get that that sack, the final possessions to really swing the game. But looking at Gigarop, you're looking at Debo Samuel, and how can you and Debo Samuel? He's like our their Cordero Patterson. So that kind of gave the Falcons a sneak peek to be able to figure out how to for him. But how do you keep Debo from getting those big chunk plays, if you will, and kind of being that hybrid guy who can kind of line up for the night anywhere? How do you then force Jimmy Garoppolo to be the playmaker and win the game for you? Well, I mean, look, one of the things the Falcons absolutely have to be better this week is taking away all the underneath stuff. I mean, Tom Brady just Goodness. killed him last week with yeah, four nets. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and you know, if you look at both running backs for San Francisco, Jeff Wilson's averaging uh, five yards an attempt running the football. Um, Debo was averaging six yards an attempt running the football. So when they – when and look, they have an outstanding offensive line. You know, and we'll see if Trent Williams yeah. plays. That's another guy that there's been some question about. But their offensive line is outstanding. Trent Williams is arguably the best offensive lineman in the entirety of the NFL, right? So they right. run the football very effectively. But you can't let those guys get going underneath. Like Fournette just killed this team last week. And whether that's your linebacker, safety, what have you, coming up and trying to take that away, you have to keep everything in front of you and contain all that because you can't let – look, the 49ers are not going to go out and huck it around. They're not going to go out and stretch the field on you. They're not – that's not what they're built for. They're not built for going vertical on you. But they're very efficient. I mean, they are, they are really efficient as far as how they run their offense. And I think that you're gonna. I'm, I'm going to look to that interior defensive line to help you know mitigate mitigate that 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 um that run game. And then I think that Taquan Graham and Grady Jarrett, that tandem is starting to it's starting to wrap into shape. And I think that those guys are going to be the guys to kind of start with that time taking advantage of that interior offensive line of the San Francisco 49ers because we know Grady is playing at all pro level and Taquan Graham is 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 becoming a nice Robin to to uh, Grady Jarrett being the Batman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you also hope to, that maybe this we get a good report out of Flowery Branch that Michael Walker is a go because we really have some good play out of that linebacker core as well. So listen, guys, you know that all 
we call for the culture where we talk about a little bit of sports, a little bit of energy kind of what we want to talk about. We got our guy, John Chuckery, join us and kind of tell us a little bit about what he thinks on some of our, our For the Culture topics. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but Loki, Chuckery is an aficionado when it comes to R&B and great music. Because <laughs> so Chuck- I'm an old guy. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm an old guy. I mean, that's all. That's what, you know, we had old rock and roll, and we had R and B. Yeah, I mean, so you know, that's all we had, right? We didn't have all this new modern stuff, so we had to actually go to the store and buy records, <laughs> or or take cassette tapes. Yeah, uh, exactly. How about that one? Yeah, yeah. I, I literally remember when the CD when you... was invented. Ooh, goodness gracious, man! CDs were invented, but that wow. was also when you could play old. it end-to-end, end, right? And it was a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. we got an R&B legend right now in the making who you can still play all of his albums, I feel like. Start up, though, he's not cool, but he's own Usher. Usher Raymond, the turn is 40. Guys, I have to ask, an honor, birthday, what is your favorite Usher song? You know, I, this is probably this is probably going to offend people, but that's all right. That's what I do. Um, I really like my way. I really like okay. the vibe that, that my way is. I love that video too. Like watching. I mean, he's a magnificent yes. performer and dancer and everything like that. I love that video, but I, I love that song. I love just kind of the, the the feel of that of that vibe. I know it's probably not one of his more popular songs, or I don't think it was one of his top hits or whatever like that. But you know, I I, I just I love my way. I love the vibe that that song has. And and oh, yeah. to be honest with you, like, yeah, I was I was a big My Way fan, but when Usher performed on that Tiny Desk concert and he did um, Confessions, oh my goodness! When you talk about yeah. just performing, yeah. and like how he had the young the young guys, the young R&B artists with him, and kind of deflecting to them, and kind of just how he brought them in, and just how he had it, it was just absolutely amazing. I, I just absolutely love. And then Superstar and Superstar as well. Like, those are my top two when you think about what Usher and the way he performed those songs on that Tiny Desk concert, it was absolutely amazing, man. This guy's just an amazing performer, one of the old school performers. He's a new school kind of guy, but he's one of those old school performers. He puts on a show when you go. You know, he really kind of early, you know, he really kind of brought some early, I'm not saying he defined the identity of Atlanta and music, because I think technically he's born in, Tennessee is he not? I think he's technically born in Tennessee. Dallas and then raised in Tennessee. Yeah, da- okay. uh, born in Nash- right. Dallas, raised in Nashville before he moved here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. But but he is he's associated with with Atlanta music, and he was one of those oh, yeah. early guys, was, you know, yeah. that that really kind of helped identify Atlanta. You know, obviously, you know, him outcast. I mean, there were there were artists that you know before it really kind of just took off. There were some of those early artists that really helped define what. Atlanta and the music scene was here. Usher was one of those guys. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, he was a big part of all of that. Yeah, and when, when you think about just what the the effect that he had on 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 the city of Atlanta, right? You talk about R and B and and the hip hop scene and all those things that that came that came along in the nineties and the early two thousands, like, and for him to be able to just last this long, it just. Yeah. It, and it's, it's just as faddish as the music um, game is nowadays for him to be still relevant in 2022. And, and you talking about, and, you know, and it's being his mid 40s and still be relevant as an artist. It just goes to show you just just the talent that he had and just the music catalog is just just long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah is going to be one of those songs that will be playing for, 
you know, forever. Yeah, years, right. He'll I mean, be long I'm gone. Sporting <laughs> events and everything yeah, else. Like, yeah, it's always. Yeah, I mean, for Atlanta sporting events, especially, like, yeah, is going to be played forever. It's it's going to be one of those anthems that you will always hear at events. Yeah, I've seen him in concert, and like you guys said, literally, you can close your eyes, and it's like they're playing a record because he is flawless. His performance, yeah. his voice. I can't wait to get to. Vegas, I'm gonna go check out the um, the residence there. But yeah, oh. I'm with John on my video, like my my way video. I probably watched that once or twice or three times a month because it was amazing. <laughs> I'm guys the point A to point B, uh, or a, a number one and a number two for me. My number two is actually uh, Bad Girl because if you're in the club and you hear Bad Girl, every woman in the club hits the floor because you a bad girl. Right. Uh -oh. So that's you're, like something we need to know. Something we need to know, or I mean, we need to know. Yeah, girl, y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't play with me. But uh, <laughs> my favorite song is actually one that not a lot of people appreciate. Mm. It was one that he wrote for his first wife, Tamika Foster, and it's called "Here I Stand." And mm. the vocal, and it kind of takes you back to a Stevie Wonder type of uh, mm. vibe in a flow. It is. It is the most beautiful song. That is by far my favorite song because it's literally him standing in front of a microphone, professing his love, and you can hear all of the purity and the strength of his vocals and the passion behind it. So yeah, that that's definitely my song. So guys, as we wrap it up today, like we talked about, it's been a super busy, or will be a super busy weekend in Atlanta sports. I'm going to ask you guys, hit me with real quick. One thing that each one of you guys wants to see in this Georgia game against Vanderbilt as they continue to tune up for some of the bigger games like that Tennessee game in a couple of weeks. What do you want to see tomorrow? Just continue to run the football effectively. Uh, I mean, that's still part of Georgia's identity and run the football effectively. Keep building off that. I know Stetson can throw it around. I mean, I've, he's proven enough and he's a national championship quarterback. Just run the football effectively. Continue to do that. Don't don't monkey around with with Vanderbilt tomorrow. Yes. Give Dejon Edwards the rock. Please stop playing around. That is the best running back on this team right now. And Branson Robinson may have something to say about that. Um, I, I believe they need to give him a, a few more carries. But Dejan Edwards is the guy that needs to be getting a bulk of these carries with the Georgia Bulldogs because like, at, on, in a game like this, I think 50 rushing attempts isn't, uh, isn't too far-fetched. Yeah. And if that's what – yeah, that's what it is. We, we don't mind seeing RBU on full display. And, of course, the Hawks and Pels are actually in Birmingham this weekend – to play their final game of the preseason. We've seen a couple tune-ups so far, and it's looked pretty good. But what is it that you want to see? Maybe one more thing that you want to see out of them before they kick off the regular season on Wednesday. Just keep feeding John Collins. I just want to keep seeing that chemistry build mm -hmm. between Murray and Young to John Collins because, look, this mm -hmm. is a big it's a big season for Collins, big season for DeAndre yeah. Hunter. You know, continue to get those guys offensively in the mix and just find and feed those yeah. guys. Yeah, I, and I, I just want to see the, the offense as a whole, you know, make sure because they at times it looked like they were a little uncomfortable, you know, with Trey mm -hmm. still working on playing off ball. And then you got DeJounte with his mid-range game, which I think is going to be a great addition to this offense. And mm -hmm. also making sure that 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 chemistry between Capella and John, I mean, Trey Young, because you don't want to forget about that pick and roll, Tanner, because that was that worked for the Hawks in an amazing way and i think that also finding trying to figure out who's that guy to coming off the bench with bogdan bogdanovich 
may or may not be ready for the season opener. And I think that you need to find a guy who's going to be your scorer coming off the bench. So is that A.J. Griffin? Can you put that type of pressure on a rookie? I like what I saw. I, I like what I seen from him in, in these first couple of games in the preseason. But I don't know if Nate is going to trust a rookie to be that guy to, to get your scoring done off the bench. Yeah, and I like something that John said about J.C. because in the, the game uh, against the Cavaliers, the Hawks were behind most of that game, and single-handedly was there was a decided like a focal point on J.C. in that third quarter, and he scored like 10 or 11 straight, and that's what helped the Hawks to get back in the game. So like you guys said, fi- seeing how they're going to incorporate him and really make him a little bit more of a focal point for the offense, and then Jarvis, to your point, seeing what, what do we have down the bench? So once we give pass one through five, what's it looking like? And of course, you know, I couldn't end a conversation about the Hawks without saying, Anytime, every time, all the time. But if I get one minute of DeAndre Hunter at his best, that is always a good look. So even if Dre doesn't play a lot of minutes tonight, just maybe see a sneak peek of him again before with those guys out next Wednesday. But hey, listen, we always appreciate you guys stopping by the ATL Sports Hangout for Lockdown Sports Atlanta. Don't forget, you got ATL Day Ones, you got Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, you got A to Z with Mark Zeno. What else do you need? Obviously, you love it all because we're up to 4,500 and counting on YouTube. And don't forget if you want to see the handsome guy on the big screen, handsome guy D on the want to see Mark Zeno, handsome as well, and they can actually talk some sports. That's questionable. That's all for debate. On your Amazon Fire and Roku because, hey, that is going to be what you need to get you up to speed and keep you up to speed on all things Sports Atlanta. So, hey, go Braves, go Dogs, go get them Hawks. You guys have a great weekend, and we will see you on all three of our shows on the Locked On Sports Atlanta Network on Monday.